Welcome to Brown Meets World. Welcome to Brown Meets World. Your end of the world podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. This is episode 70. I'm your boy, Tony Coitus. And I'm Siege. Uh, I gotta say, it's uh, it's looking a little cray-cray out there, ain't it? You know what, guys? When me and Siege finished up season three, we were like, you know what? Life's been kind of crazy. There's a lot going on right now. Why don't we just take a little bit of a break, pump the gears a bit, and then come <laughs> back once we're well rested. Um, and then life was like, you know what? We're just going to shut everything down. So <laughs> here's all the time to watch Boy Meets World, to record podcasts. We'll give it to you. And it's exactly. been great. This seemed very much like a really good time. As we were saying, uh, I believe quite a few of our listeners uh, who are listening to this, the time it comes out would be under lockdown due to this coronavirus COVID-19 situation. And I felt like there was no better time than now to reach out to our bros, our Boring World fans, and uh, just let you know that we're in there with you. And we, too, are binging. So, and it seems just like with all the craziness on the news right now, we could all use a little bit of Mr. Feeney's wisdom to tackle some of life's problems. And uh, guys, I am so excited to announce that we have made it to season four. Siege, I've been talking about this since we started this. I'm so pumped to dive into it and to get your thoughts on season four because it's my absolute favorite season of television ever. I have to agree. I was looking at this episode and I was really, really excited. Like from the moment the new theme song drops and we got new theme the song. Corey running down the stairs and jumping into the car with Eric. I cannot tell you the smile that I had on my face. I was just like, this is the Boy Meets World I remember. This is like, I am just ear-to-ear smiles. I am so in love with what's going on. I think with this theme song specifically, too, this was the one that Disney used the most. I think that they had like the college years and this one, and they didn't do any of the other ones when they would re-air them all in like through the 2000s and things like that. So I think this theme song is more well-known to most people of Boy Meets World. Absolutely. But I also, um, I just remember like TGI. Like I remember, I think this is the time where I was like entering middle school or something, you know? So like my mind was just really recording these things a little bit better. Things were a little bit more crisp. And I definitely remember this theme song. um, And it was a great bit of nostalgia. And as you said, right now we could use a little bit of nostalgia. (laughs) Um, It's so interesting too, because this episode, uh, the theme song is like them driving and then we cut straight to them from a road trip. As almost to say like, hey, these boys are maturing and they're making their own decisions behind the wheel and for life almost this you know how symbolism. i feel about this and i definitely feel that every season the theme song tells us who is the most important people 
in Corey's life at this time. And I think this episode and the theme song itself really do showcase how we're going to be focusing more on Eric. We're going to be focusing more on the teenagers and their bond um, and and what they're going through in a way we never have before. We are, we are growing up. And it's interesting because the, the teachers and the parents are there, but they're not there. They're Correct. kind of like these guiding figures in the, in the um, opening theme song. And also as the season plays out, we kind of see that same thing going on. Um, let's just jump into the episode. Let's, let's I'm get into it. To talk about okay. it. Yeah. Uh, you want to do the tell me about it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Tell me about it, because the world's about to end. I'm really proud of you. This is season four, episode one, You Can Go Home Again. Nearing the end of last season's summer road trip, Corey agrees to a final pit stop without realizing that Eric intends to make it a permanent one because he feels there's nothing there for him to go back home to. In a B storyline, after winning a company award, Alan considers whether or not he's really happy with his current job as a supermarket manager. (laughs) Which again, very relevant considering the times. It's so interesting watching him just being like, oh, I'm I'm just a grocery store man. And now I'm like, I feel like the news is putting grocery store people and doctors in the same category. I mean, they are. It's crazy. I've gone out a few times this week and it was always to the grocery store, you know, and like I, I try to take time to talk to the people who are working at the stores and be like, how are you doing? How's your day? Just kind of reminding them that they're not just like tools or machines <laughs> they're yeah. humans and they're people and they are doing a really great service so uh, on, a, on a more personal note I've, i mentioned this before my dad in real life has the same dad as Corey's on the show in the sense that he is a manager at a grocery store um so i watched this understanding like his backstory but also with everything that's going on in spring of 2020 um just thinking about the importance of a role that it plays in society so it's just interesting that alan feels taken for granted in his role or feels like it's something he settled for when now it's this thing that all eyes are on grocery people to save the day absolutely and it's i i love that you say that because i want to get into this a little bit more uh but before we do let's do first thoughts because we kind of talked about this a little bit but um what do you think about the two storylines we got both the a storyline and the b Uh, i loved it i felt like uh, again boy meets world hitting on all cylinders we're getting so many storylines intertwined eric the way he feels about going back home alan the way he feels about his uh profession i love how Feeney was able to teach Alan, and then Alan was able to use that to teach Eric. And there just seems to be this um, this feeling that all the boxes were checked in this episode. For me, I so. love that you said that, because that's literally what I said. I feel, I feel like every box was checked. Every character was used the proper way. Um, you know, like... Every, we didn't even have like an unnecessary Jonathan scene. You know what I mean? They were like, we only use who we need to use. And they're kind of using this episode to set up the rest of the season, which I thought was really great. And uh, there was only one scene that I thought was unnecessary, but I feel like it has a bigger meaning, just one that went over my head. And that is the one with Dick Van Patten as the Amish farmer. 
Did you know where that was from? That farmhouse there. Yeah. No. Okay. But what I noticed was that this season, it seems like they're intentionally throwing in more just gags. Okay. Like Corey at the sprinkle parade without black bottles. <laughs> There's no purpose for that other than it, for to, it to be a joke. I think the Amish guy is the same thing. And it just feels like they're having more fun with this, you know, old guy eating pie, I was three hours from home kind of humor. That did make that me laugh. <laughs> it did, it made me laugh. I thought it was really well done. So I, I, I think there was just to offset some of the heavier ideas, they were trying to throw in some humor. It is heavier. I was like, we are dealing with some kind of really big ideas here. More so with Alan, I think, than Eric, just because he is like questioning his entire life choices. Well, Alan's going through like a midlife crisis, but Eric's also going through like a a fifth life crisis. You know what I mean? Like he is, he's like, there's nothing for me back home. And I think there's a really big idea behind that right now of what, what service am I bringing? What, what do I have if I don't have this college education? And if I don't have this, kind of cultural status you know it's also this idea that you know eric is feeling like he is left behind and we're going to kind of feel that even in the next episode but i just thought it was really interesting that he thought i'm going to be a small fish in a uh, big fish in a small pond and that will make me feel better oh my god i have so many thoughts about that because the mere idea i feel like we're also kind of getting into what we have noted before Boy Meets World's class issue because there seems to be a very big statement being said here about country folk. And mind you, we're only 40 minutes outside of the city. Uh, Actually, what is it? Three hours, but 40 minutes. Three hours, so. Yeah. yeah. You weren't far. Exactly. And I was like, we're not that far, but they they are definitely making it a us versus them. And both Corey and Alan have this judgment of the – Pottsville townsfolk. It's it's interesting because obviously it comes both comes down to this idea of settling, like Eric settling for what he feels like is the best he can get, and Alan settling for what's available at the moment. And I love that Alan learning his like revelation then led to Eric having his revelation. It wasn't these two separate storylines with these two different bows on it. It was one bow that we tied around both. Absolutely. Okay, so that all leads us to the city of what is it, Pottstown, and uh, which, by the way, is a real place. I found out it's really, really? Is, it really is forty mi- forty miles outside of Philadelphia. Um, I don't know if they are known for their yogurt cup, but I do know that they're real. <laughs> and uh, that brings us to our roll call and the the people who live within. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, who, uh, what characters do we run into in this episode? Yes, we get um, Irene, who is our waitress. Irene, the insecure waitress that no one's ever told me I was pretty before. Oh, my God. Who is this God. woman? I had, like, we know. I thought maybe how- you found someone more interesting and ran away. Yes, I was what? like, we are saying a lot about Irene. Not only is she insecure, she needs a hug from her dad. She has been dating nothing but fuckboys, apparently. The mere fact that Eric's still there after their date makes her like, oh, I thought you would have left already. It's like, what is going on? 
with this girl. It's funny that they assume that because he's from the city, he's educated and he has all these options. And she says, you talk the way you talk makes me think you're smart, which again, it's like there's something like you would think they are in like a third world country and Eric's like Eric's using big words and they're just like, oh, you're so educated. it's, It's pretty crazy. And also, <laughs> not to shit on Eric's idea, but Eric was like, hey, you could save your town just by putting up a bunch of marketing for your <laughs> your pie. And in my mind, just being into marketing, I'm like, it doesn't seem like they have the budget for something like that, Eric. It feels like they're way past the point of signs at this point. But they thought of it as like the most brilliant idea they've ever heard well, i thought it's important because it does show something we know which is that eric does have skills they're just ones that aren't immediately rewarded you know what i mean like eric doesn't have the patience for a school so to speak so because of that he's dismissed but i do think that eric being able to look at the real world and be like you know i saw all of these signs in different places and and noting the power of marketing and how it got him to want to try you know the the chili or whatever and and using that to kind of promote what makes this town special i do think that there's something there i do think that it's to illustrate that eric has more going for him than he understands and it's valued by people who don't see eric in the same way that i'll say even his town sees eric as you were saying, like kind of big fish, small pond. Um, but I, I do also think that there is merit to not limiting yourself to being just that big fish in a small pond. Have you ever seen the Jim Carrey movie called The Majestic? And when she wakes up with asthma in this town that everyone recognizes him as someone else, and he just leans into it? No. Okay, it's one of Jim Carrey's like more dramatic works. I have but, a question. Um, you said yeah. asthma. Did you mean amnesia? Amnesia. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he woke up with asthma? Say, <laughs> just telling our listeners, I am currently on pain medication from a surgery I had a week ago. If I'm a little wonky, I apologize. Yes, he had amnesia in the movie, and he wakes up in this town, and they think he's someone else, and everyone is just talking about like how great you know you are in this town and how much you mean to it. And he starts thinking, oh, I think I'm just going to be this guy because everyone loves him. And it just reminded me so much of, of Eric coming into this town and just getting all these accolades from people really don't know who he is they're assuming that he's smart without his intelligence being tested they're assuming that he's going to be super successful without him actually achieving anything um so i think to him it's kind of like a boost but i think alan points out pretty articulately that it's a false boost because it's not going to actually push him to achieve anything yeah i think well like from the very beginning Corey says you didn't find happiness you just pulled off the road and i you know it's a little cheesy but it's also very apt it's like you didn't it's not like you achieved something or even that like by being here you will have and and being a a member of this community is going to bring you happiness it's kind of like you're afraid to confront real life and if you continue to do that you will never really achieve anything I love the imagery with the road. Oh, we just pulled off on the side of the road. Maybe this is my exit. Like, is this a exit or the exit? Yeah. And like, it's just an interesting, the way they worded that was really great. I want to ask you, what did you think about Corey in this episode? Him like 
I'm so excited to go back. Everything reminds me of Topanga, this, Topanga, that. And Eric just being like, yo, it must be nice. Well, I do think, I was going to say, I wrote, I made a note that it's weird. We have a little moment here where we show Eric and Corey being their true selfish selves. You know, not really being the brothers that we know them for. And there's that idea where Eric's like, well, you're just going to have to take the bus home. And I was like, that's kind of rude. But then for Corey to be like, actually, I'm just going to take the car. I was like, well, that's even worse because that's Eric's car. So it's like, neither of you are being good. Neither of you are being considerate. And neither of you are taking the time to really, like, think oh, this person's going through something. Like, I do feel like this would have been a great moment for Corey to step up and been like, clearly Eric's going through something and I'm calling dad here so he can kind of talk some sense into Eric. But it really is just framed as Corey called Alan to pick him up. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know. I feel like... Corey was more concerned about him, but I think in the back of his mind, he knew that he couldn't go home without his brother. I, I don't think it would have been acceptable from his parents for him not to for him not to come uh, bring his brother back home. So I think that was one of the things that kind of led to his decision. But it just happened to be this great Kawinki thing that Alan just happened to be going through some similar shit that he was able to talk to Eric about. Yeah, all right. So before we uh, head over to Alan's storyline, which I do love, I do want to talk about the other people in Pottstown or Pottsville oh, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> which yeah, is just, I mean, there's not a lot. We get uh, Matt Landers and Charles Nolan as Garrett and Graham, which are just like the two other people. And then we get Phil Leeds, who plays Pie Man, who is Phil, uh, who was only three hours away from home. Um. I love the joke they have. Well, where uh, obviously the old man has that. I was only through. I was away from home joke. But I love the country folks that are just like he, Eric's. Like this pie's delicious. What kind of pie is it? And they go, "It's pie." Yeah, <laughs> Garrett and Graham. But this is what he was talking about. Like, th- Boy Meets World makes them seem so stupid. Like it's it'd be yeah. different if they were like salt or the earth, or they were individuals who were like very content in their life but they seem to they be seem very kind and welcoming i will say that yeah but they also seem to not have any intelligence or yeah. any it's not like they chose this life it's like they they themselves have settled and don't want more like they don't want more education they don't want more than what this town has to offer um and it's almost like a preview of what will happen to eric if he himself settles yeah it's a it seems like it's supposed to be a cautionary almost twilight zone town uh, that just sucks you in and you can't get out as opposed to these people who live here and love their town but maybe eric has more potential i thought it was really interesting that what their town was famous for was like the world's biggest yogurt cup and then uh later on eric's like yeah i want to take my girlfriend to this other city because they have something really special there and Corey's like what do they have and the girl's like the world's biggest yogurt cup yeah he's like wait a minute and <laughs> let me know that what the thing that was special about whatever town they were in wasn't really that special. It's like someplace being like, oh, we have really good ice cream, but it's just like a mom and pop ice cream shop. Like it's yeah. special to that community, but there's nothing that really makes that significant compared to everywhere else you could have stopped along the way on their just road trip. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, so let's talk about Alan's midlife crisis here. 
I think this is super interesting. I think that this is a return to some of the better things that we liked about season one, getting mm-hmm. the family involved. I love that Alan and Amy kind of have this storyline almost on their own. This is, I think, the first time in a while that we've seen them kind of figure some stuff out. Um, I love that, you know, this whole who, what you do is who you are. Or like what you do for a living is what you are, but not who you are. However they quoted that, I love it. And I think that was such like a cool way to um, wrap up the show by Alan realizing that most of what he is is a good father and husband. Absolutely. So it was interesting to me because, first of all, right off the bat, Alan is very irritable. He seems to be very irritable. I mean, and he's treating... He's even, like, treating Sean... I don't know. We kind of go back and forth with how Alan feels about Corey's friends. Because at one moment, Sean is... Like, he seems to understand Sean's plight and want to be there for him and be the surrogate family. But in another moment, he's very much like, I don't want my son's friend who I know lives in a less fortunate neighborhood and environment and who is telling me that he doesn't have clean water to bathe in. In my house. So, you know, it just seems... Sean also has a great joke where he talks about him and his dad eating the free samples. And Alan's like, you eating cheese and turkey with your own toothpicks is not free samples. And what what I like about that is that we kind of get a hint that Sean and his dad have been getting along pretty well over the summer. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm... that one line. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this is what I mean. It feels like Alan should be celebrating these things. And instead... He's painted as just like this old crotchety man. And I was like, Alan does seem more irritable than even the adult we usually know. So I don't know. I feel like there has to be so much love between Sean and Alan for Sean just to come over and be like, <laughs> hey guys, I'm gonna take a hot bath. Again, <laughs> I think is not here yet. I'm I think it says a, a lot that Sean completely ignored the warning and then still took the bath. You know what I mean? As we remember from the monkeys episode last season. Alan upgraded their bath to a jacuzzi. So I understand Sean's temptation for what to jump back in. And I love the, um, you're wearing my robe. Hey, I'm naked under here. Yeah. 15-year-old says he's naked. The crowd cheers. Oh, because oh, wait, wait, we went a little ahead, but I have no problem doing that right now. We are definitely in a, an older season. The teens are all starting to look like they're older. I was like, both Topanga and Topanga and Sean and even Corey, they clearly look older than they and- ever looked they definitely, in a while. like passes teenagers not kids anymore like absolutely. there's no distinction like it's not even close yeah absolutely and then it's really funny considering um like you're right the the crowd woos but like he looks old enough to where wooing seems acceptable yeah it's kind of like this like i don't know if this is cool or not thing but I, let's just go with it yeah absolutely um but with alan one of the things that you were brought up that him, him going through this whole thing and questioning whether or not he should, um, whether or not he has settled or he's done anything. First of all, I don't like how he starts it off, which is like, I blame you. Like he, like he doesn't say, "Hey, I'm he really questioning." Blames, he immediately like, blames Amy. <laughs> if I didn't have this wife or these stupid kids to feed, I would never have had to do this job. Which is just the best attitude to have towards your life choices. Yeah, he knows I was a bad boy who just didn't have the sense to leave, and I was like, "That's your did, problem." Did you he are say bad boy or bag boy. He said bad boy. Oh, I heard bag boy. Okay, oh, okay, changing. you're right. You're right. I mean. 
I wonder if it's bag boy or bad boy. I would love to like someone look at the uh, closed captions. I mean, he is playing the band that in his day, so I wouldn't shock me if he was a bad boy. See, I saw bad boy because that's that's who Alan sees himself as. He sees oh, himself as someone who was like this wild child who just got roped in, and like that. That to me felt the narrative, but you're right. If it's just like I was a bag boy who never left, that also aligns with where we were going with this. I always thought it was interesting that Alan and like Turner didn't hang out more and just like throw out about being former bad boys. Yes, you're right. That would be totally a good narrative. Like with their leather jackets, just like working <laughs> on the Harley, just talking about just like all what they have to do for the people in their life. Like, that just seems like their MO. They can't be that different in age. I wonder if... He says he's 42, and I don't think that they are that different in age. But especially he's closer to age with Turner than he is with Feeney. But we still get Alan and Feeney moments way more than we get Alan and Turner moments. Um, 100%. But that brings us to Feeney, who I was going to bring up. And I wanted to bring this up because it's very, when Feeney enters the picture, and first of all, with Alan, we see him go past the fence. You know what I mean? It's like he's usually yes. on the other side of the fence, and he stays in his space, and he's there to give, offer advice, but kind of stay in his own lane. With Alan, he understood the importance of coming over and, and kind of being there. And also, I was like, Alan doesn't – we forget. Most TV dads we think of or we know they have a family. Alan does not have a father figure. So yeah, for Feeney to be there and listen and give him fatherly advice and Alan to take it so seriously, I really thought was special. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, Alan tries to start the conversation with Feeney, like, oh, man, our jobs suck, right? Doesn't it suck <laughs> to just have to work all the time? Um, but it's it's interesting that Feeney's like, oh, I could very easily complain about all this stuff. But the truth is that I'd like to do it. And even if the kids weren't into it, like, it's something I just like to do for me, and it's fun. And, you know, Alan's like, well, what happens when it's not fun anymore? Which I think is a, a question that as millennials who only stick out a job for like two years at a time, is there something that we can kind of relate to? Well, yeah. Also, I want to, I think as a millennial who is currently looking for a job, it's also important to note that we don't always get to stay past two years. You know what I mean? It's like jobs, jobs don't necessarily want to promote you um, or do the things that we are used to. We are in a different job industry, but either way, I think it's accurate. and Al is part of that old school, I'm going to stick with the job for 50 years and get a pension thing. Like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't think these jobs exist anymore. Yeah, he was living with this for living at this job for 20 years, I think they say. Yeah, 20, 30 years, something like that. Too. And I think that's really important to note that he is kind of rightfully taking this time to reassess things. Uh, but I think it's also important that he spoke to someone like Feeney, um, who has been in a career even longer and kind of asked him advice. And Feeney was like, look, it's still it's still fun for me. And if it's not fun for you, then maybe you should consider something else. I just think it's cool that they really decided to choose this as a central storyline for the season because I feel like as a father to change his career 
they're really exploring like the insecurities of just like being able to provide for your family. And like, it's just a very vulnerable position to put the father figure in, in a sitcom. And the fact that they choose that is, is super interesting to me that like, it's, it's, you know, having him take a risk for something, having him choose something for himself and his character that would, you know, enrich it. And in a way that I think we kind of see with Amy later on, when she decides to go back to school, um, I just, I just like the parents fleshing out and becoming more involved in, in the kids' world as well. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see where we go with this uh, for Amy, because what I don't like between this episode and the next is Amy is just kind of, again, a supporting character. And I mean that in the sense that she is supporting Alan. Um, totally. And I think in the next episode, she supports Eric and... Amy is supportive, but not really given her time to shine. And I really want to see them do something different because we are getting the male characters who are allowed to question their their lot in life. You know what? I will say that I don't really recall season four doing a lot with Amy, but I do think there is tons going on with Topanga this season, which I think will fill some of that void. I uh, cannot wait to talk about that because <laughs> I have opinions and I don't think everyone's going to like them. But anyway. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think of that. Um, any other notes? I just thought, you know, this episode ended from a script perspective, like, you know, Eric being like, Corey, how do you know? Because he's bad. Alan saying, yeah, that's mostly what I am. I just thought that was a perfect way to end this episode. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I don't think there was one thing about this episode I disliked. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I was very, very much someone who was like, I think that because that's, what did he say? Alan says something along the lines of, that's mostly what I am. He realizes, as you pointed out, that his job is just part of who he is. Uh, and he's done way more successful things than, than that. Um, even if he doesn't think so. So totally, totally. I really, imp- I appreciated that. Um, I also like the epilogue because that was also a good way of setting up kind of these new dynamics. You know, we have the Eric and Allen situation earlier, but what is really interesting is this idea of Corey, Sean, and Topanga. And Topanga mm-hmm. really rising to the role of being equal in the storylines as Corey and Sean. And I kind of felt like it was a good way of seeing Corey and I mean, seeing Sean and Topanga wait for Corey to come home and Topanga being like, he's totally going to come and kiss me. And Sean being like, no, I'm his best friend. We have this dynamic. We're going to be the main thing. And then they really do have Corey live this balance where it's like he, of course, hugs. I'm sorry. He says hi to Sean first, but goes and kisses Topanga. And then he has the same conversation that Sean wants him to have while still making out with Topanga. And it's it's just showing that their friendship is still equal, even though Topanga's now in the picture. I, I don't know, bro. I have an opinion about this that I think is going to be fairly unpopular. Okay, I okay. Think seeing Corey, like, audio tape his entire vacation about how everything reminds him of Topanga, I think he's making me kind of take a second look at their relationship in this season wondering if Topanga strips Corey of all of his personality. And I think, I don't know that I'm proven wrong there. Oh, well, no, here's the thing. I do not disagree with that. I think the 
I am not as much of a fan of the Corey Topanga pairing as I think we were as kids. <laughs> yeah, because I think I just thought he was a cool, interesting kid when he was just figuring things out in the first season. And I just want to see what that kid's up to, not what, you know, the other half of Topanga is up to. I agree, but I, I all my point was that they kind of show them the three of them on equal footing, you know, sure, like sure. they literally do make it a point to say that Corey's not going to abandon Sean and he's not going to ignore his girlfriend either. It's a Harry, Hermione, Ron setup. Absolutely. And that's what we're doing moving forward. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Okay. Uh, what grade did you get this episode? I am giving this a B. A B. Okay. And I'm right. giving it a B because we had scenes like the, farmhouse over there bit which just could have been removed uh we have a little bit of dialogue that is unnecessary and could be trimmed and also as you said i feel like either giving amy more to do or bringing turner into it as like a friend would have been nice but ultimately i was very very pleased with this episode and it was a great bit of nostalgia I, um, I'm giving this episode an A because I think it was a perfect script. Um, <laughs> you have a Feeny lesson. You have a bro moment. I just had a point where Eric was talking about the small town and he goes, they made me feel important. And I thought that that yeah. was really important about totally. not only what Alan's going through, which is not feeling like he's made the right choices, but the way that you can be dissuaded from your true path from just need, the need to feel important and how vital that is. And I think that kind of tying into that, my Feeney lesson is Feeney does what he does because he loves it. And if it's no longer serving you, then maybe it is, it's all right to question and, and change things. You're not stuck to the path that you were on just because you were on it. Totally. Uh, I, I will say that my female lesson um, is, is not so different, but it's what Alan says to Eric when they're in the, the diner, which is, um, that's it, Eric. You're, you're settling, and you're going to realize that all you've done is settle, and you're not going to be happy with yourself. I thought Oof. that was kind of the whole episode in a, in a single line, so I just thought that was great. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's weird because they try to make it very clear that Alan settled career-wise. But I think with him saying things like, I blame you to Amy and like all this other stuff, it is kind of implied that Alan feels like he settled in general. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a lesson that I agree with. I you know, know what I, I mean? I, I kind of took that as him saying it in jest. Like, he was just kind of joking around with her. But I guess we'll see that the, the season plays out because we're diving into this new job storyline for him. It's not going anywhere. Of course. We're, we're, everyone's looking for a job, which, again, feels very relevant <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2020. 2020 absolutely. Okay. Um, also, final thing. I do love pie, and looking at even the prop pie made me be like, I want some of that pie. I want some of that pie. <laughs> what kind of pie? I want pie. Um, yeah, do you have exactly. any homework before we let these people go? I do have homework. So I, like many people, have been home binging all of the things, and um, I watched the Hillary 
mini docuseries oh, on Hulu. How'd you like it? And I I did like it. I'm not gonna lie, there are depending on where you fall in the political spectrum, it can get a little propagandy at times. It's clearly made uh in the light of being pro Hillary. But sure. I think it just in general, it's important to see the contribution she has made to the world, to America oh, and right. for women. I think it is insane to think about what she had to put up with it just like like this is before her own political career but just looking at like where she came from and how she influenced the american political game um and i just thought it was very very inspiring and also it's a little bit of a wishful thinking kind of what could have been thing seeing something like this during a crisis such as corona quarantine so uh i suggest everyone to go see that and also beautiful segue into my homework i just want to say uh because i've been watching walking dead i'm trying to get tips i'm trying to (laughs) i'm dead serious we started with season one it's the show is great. I feel like I have a perfect roadmap for how to handle this life. I'm ready for it. I'm loving it because I cannot think of anything more. You and I. I watched a political documentary, and you were like Walking Dead. <laughs> I gotta learn. I gotta learn. I love it. All oh, right, uh, is that everything? I think that's it, guys. We want to thank you for uh, sticking with us as we are entering this quarantine podcasting. Um, if you guys have any uh, thoughts or comments you want to share with us, share with us on um, all of our social media. Um, stay safe. Wash your hands. What am I forgetting, CJ? Uh, yeah, just make sure that you leave us a rating. You can also message us at bromeetsworld at gmail.com or reach out to us at bromeetsworld um, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the places. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Oh, you can find me on Instagram at a for me at me. And uh, yeah, be safe out there, guys. The world doesn't. Remember to dream. Try. And wash your hands. And wash your hands. <laughs> Later, Later bros. bros.